Welcome to the Ether. Today is Thursday, January 13th, 2022. This episode of the Ether is brought to you by Orbital Command, a community validator on Terra dedicated to educating, expanding, and promoting the lunatic community. Take advantage of their Terra Luna Intel report on Telegram, bringing you the hottest news and updates on all things Terra every day. Use the link in the show notes to find it. You can also support their community efforts by considering them next time you're delegating or redelegating your Luna. Find out more at orbitalcommand.io. TerraSpaces appreciates their support. Today on the Ether, we have the Stator Staking Weekly Space with CFI. Let's take a listen. Deep expertise uh, Sefi has. Uh, so really, really kicked about, the, about today's discussion and happy to kickstart uh, about, I mean, let me just quickly give you, a, give, give you an introduction about Stator, what we have launched so far, and then we'll move into staking on Terra and beyond uh, as necessarily today's conversation is all about that. And then while, while covering how, how Stata platform kind of helps ease the burden of staking for a lot of people, uh, especially newbies and in fact with our strategies even for DGENs. Uh, on that note, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with Stater or just heard of Stater uh, as a passing platform, what we are what we are trying to build is a smart contract infrastructure layer for staking across proof of stake blockchains or networks. Essentially, what that means is we're building these modular smart contracts that can be customized for several use cases. Examples of those use cases are obviously the one that is live today, which is the retail use case. We have two products live. One is simple stake pools where users have a choice to select their validator. Uh, pools. We currently have three validator pools, blue chip, community, and airdrop pool. Uh, depending on the individual's preference, they can choose their own validator pool. And then we also have a product called liquid staking product or a Luna X product, which is kind of a AUSP type of automatically uh, compounding token that increases in value every day while uh, users or stakers on Luna X uh, pool enjoy instant unlocking on the decks while also being able to enjoy sticking rewards as well as airdrops uh, while holding Luna. So those yeah, are the I think Amit just got cut off. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Okay, awesome. Uh, you didn't in, uh, you didn't lose me, right? Was I uh, on no, throughout? No. You were, yes. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so those are the two products that we have on the Stata platform right now. Uh, we launched in November twenty. We launched on November twentieth with the community farming. Uh, obviously, there was a huge uh, demand for stake pools and the community farming tokens of two percent of SD tokens got farmed pretty quickly. Right now, consumers or users of status stake pools are enjoying auto compounding on their Luna, as well as airdrops right in their Stata app. What that means is 
essentially with state opposes your buy your I, I will actually hold on to the hold on to the details about the DCAing of Luna. I think Sefi is a much better person to explain that. Uh, so I, I, I let, let me just take that cue to actually actually talk a little bit about staking on Terra ecosystem and beyond. Uh, Sefi, do you want to actually uh, take that from me and kind of explain how staking rewards work on Terra and how the sure. how the staking rewards vary with Luna's price and the and the constitution of staking rewards? Sure, sure. Um, so the way I understand it, again, I'm not, uh, I'm by no means a uh, sort of like, uh, you know, Terra code expert to tell you the, the exact, exact mechanism whereby this works. Let me just kind of uh, like describe what I understand about staking from the perspective of a retail user for the most part. Uh, so, you know, when I first got to Terra, uh, the first uh, confusion I got into, of course, was, you know, where to uh, stake my, once I got to a wallet, next question became sort of like, what are the ways to stake? Because um, obviously you want to earn some yield off of your Luna. And then the next question was, well, why am I getting all these little coins? Uh, there's a mixture of UST, KRT, and MNT, and a variety of other international coins. I couldn't particularly for the life of me, understand why I was getting all the different coins um, it precisely or why the protocol decided to do that, but then kind of figured out, okay, well, those are some of the fees being generated on the general network. And if, you know, transactions happens in, in, happen in KRT or MNT, then some of the fees generated from those particular currencies is my understanding why you get all these little small amounts of dust from each of them. Um, if you uh, have your, if you have a relatively small amount of Luna there, which in the beginning that was the case for me, um, you get all these little coins and you're getting such tiny amounts that it's like almost irrelevant. And you have this tendency to convert most of these things to Luna, or you have a tendency to claim them and convert them to, um, you know, UST or something like that. But or or perhaps use some of those various uh, rewards sometimes as fees, like you know. Sometimes I'll leave my KRT there and use it for fees. So this is what I was doing before. But the, um, you know, when you go to withdraw, you're getting such tiny amounts. You feel like, well, I don't really feel like withdrawing because um, it just creates a bunch of transactions for no apparent reason, which may not be worth very much. Um, and then um, you're getting a little bit of Luna along with your staking. So there's just basically a lot happening there. and. Um, just a lot of uh, sort of extraneous transactions. There's a lot of manual process involved with pushing a button, getting all those things, and then like, you know, combining all those to UST, and then whatever you're going to do with it seemed to be a lot of uh, mishmash of work for no reason. Um, and then if you're like paying taxes and such, then it gets even more confusing because you have all these like transactions. Um, I have no idea how I'm going to do my taxes this year because <laughs> there's just a bunch of there's just a bunch of junk sitting in there, and it's like you know various different withdrawals I've made or uh, not withdrawals, but uh, claims I've made off my rewards. So um, just it's just kind of like a messy process, and it was like it it looks like a process that was built to work really well for. Um, except for, you know, when it comes to either tax time or keeping some record of what's going on. Um, so I, I was 
interested when Stater kind of, you know, announced that they were building a system that essentially would uh, let you stake, but then like collect all this dust of different coins and then um, subsequently like buy more Luna with it, which is what I was doing anyway. So I was attracted to the sort of automation element, which I love. Of course, I like sort of anything that sort of automates things. It's sort of like the, you know, <laughs> we're getting into getting towards the uh, second third of the 21st century. And it seems like, why am I pushing this button over and over again? I'd rather have anything that can be automated. Automated is my sort of sense. And um, so you can just sort of fire and forget and not have to look at it again. Um, it's also, uh, you know, having brought on uh, friends and family into Terra, um, it's, it's a lot easier for me to send them to Stater Labs where they can, um, you know, stick their coins and get auto compounding because, um, again, if, if this process is confusing for one person, it's confusing for everybody. And the, you know, the, the way it's set up on uh, Terra Station, it's like you just have to ask, ask like the biggest problem is you got to answer a dozen questions for people about how this all works. And that basically is, um, you know, it just basically creates a more friction process for uh, people to come onto Terra and use use these systems. So, you know, the so those are sort of the issues that I I was kind of facing and was wasting a lot of time essentially trying to uh, uh, like teach people. Um, so Stator comes along and then uh, what you have the availability of doing now is basically instead of staking directly on Terra Station, you do so via the staterlabs.com site. And what they're basically doing is um, uh, allowing you to sort of stake with different pools of stakers um, that they have partially pre-selected because of high uptime, which prevents uh, uh, slashing rewards uh, problems. And we'll go into that just a minute here. Um, and then it takes all of those various coins and just keeps buying you more Luna, which, uh, is especially uh, useful for the, the smaller user, even more so than the large user, because if you're a very big user, um, uh, you may have tons and tons of money coming in through staking. You know, let's say you had, you know, $10 million on there. Obviously, you're, you're pulling in tons of uh, dust and tons of Luna, and you can sort of manually restake if you want. And then um, the fees are disproportionately small. But if you're a small user, it's like, you know, you're wasting time on fees. Um, you're, I mean, money on fees, you're wasting money on, uh, like, not having an auto-optimized uh, auto-compounding um, and all of that. So the way, um, uh, the way Stater has it set up, um, I see for myself, forget about, like, the, the advantages of, um, you, well, advantages to the validators and such. For myself, I look at it from the perspective of, okay, this is easier to use. I'm getting perhaps at least a half a percentage or more of sort of like uh, auto compounding uh, gains that I would not have otherwise gotten, which of course, over the years, over let's say a 10 year time frame, that auto compounding does make a big difference. Um, half a percent to 1% here and there doesn't seem like a big deal. But those that really just increases over time because if you believe what I believe, you know, I'm starting, starting to sound like Morpheus on the Matrix or something. <laughs> but if you believe as I do, then uh, you, you, you have a sense that like Luna is going to be a much, it's going to be much, much more valuable um, a year from now or five years from now. 
So those small half percent, one percent gains um, are are very very uh, important um, over a long term time frame, which could result in a huge amount of uh, um, like you know increased uh, um, value. So that's kind of how I look at it: is those those small gains now are going to be worth so much later that you're going to you know you were going to wish you had them and that you auto compounded with uh, the highest level of efficiency possible. So um, I was actually asking the gang some questions this last uh, week as far as like the process whereby um, the system actually works, the stator system. And, um, you know, one of the questions I had was, and maybe uh, Amit now could kind of like clarify, but, um, you know, what does, what are slashing uh, risks, so to speak, and how much of a risk is that to the average person? who gotcha. um, and then and then perhaps like what does stator do to help mitigate for people slashing risk gotcha that makes sense i think it's a very important question a lot of people uh kind of do not realize the risks of staking or slashing though it is quite uncommon there are different levels of slashing kind of simplify uh it for easier understanding the first one is very rare events where validators double sign where the slashing risk can be as high as 5% on Terra. On several other blockchains for uh, uh, for such malicious, I mean, even for non-intended malicious behavior, slashing risks can be as high as 100% when it comes to other blockchains like ETH or, uh, or for that matter, Phantom. Uh, so slashing is definitely an important concern that people need to be aware of. Uh, and also account for. That's the reason why when we actually select validators for the pools that we have, we actually grade them very clearly based on performance as well as slashing history. Uh, if we take uh, blue chip pool as an example, it has uh, at most stringent selection criteria. One is their uptime has to be 99.85% and above during the last one month. And uh, on top of that, none of them should have slashing, any event of slashing, uh, minute or the higher intensity slashing event for the last six months, uh, or sorry, for the last three months, and they should ha at least have six months of uh, validation history on Terra. Uh, and then obviously, in order to promote decentralization, we have excluded validators who are greater than, I think, 2% voting power from the blue chip pool. We have similar stringent criteria for other pools as well, so that uh, we proactively minimize the risks of slashing. Uh, that's that's on the selection side. And since obviously each of the pools has, uh, the airdrops pool today has three validators, including uh, Sam Zorin Mani. Hey Sam, uh, glad you're here. Uh, and then we also have uh, a blue chip pool that has 10 validators. So when the delegations are spread across these multiple validators, obviously the slashing risks uh, are, are even more minimized because the, the, the delegations are spread across all of these validators. So that's how the platform actually proactively minimizes slashing risks. On an active basis, we monitor the performance of, of all the validators in the pool and uh, actively figure out if any of them is slipping on performance consistently over 48 hours or 72 hour period, we redelegate the delegations from that validator to the rest of the validators in the pool. Uh, 
So these are so, two important uh, measures we take. Amit, uh, so like the average person that kind of shows up, you know, they, they you know, they throw their life savings into some validator. Um, on Terra specifically, like what is the absolute worst that could happen to your money? I guess that would be my first question. It, like, is, is it actually possible on Terra to have some situation where like literally all your money disappears? No. Uh, the maximum slashing that can happen is 5% of the principal amount staked. Okay, so, but it's still pretty substantial um, yes. as far as, uh, it, you know, its effect on an individual um, if there's just substantial amount there. So besides that, like from a slashing perspective, uh, have we seen on Terra, uh, what, like based on your monitoring, what's like the worst slashing that you have witnessed so far? Uh, so we did have one of the community members who, who started a validator, I think a few months ago, he's witnessed 5% slashing. Uh, otherwise, uh, and then obviously there were a few 5% slashing events in the history. Otherwise, the general uh, most common, uh, commonly occurring slashing events are uh, just to the tune of 0.1% or something like that. Some of these minute slashing events are common on Terra. Okay. And then, you know, obviously everyone is interested in the issue of like, you know, decentralization and such. And, and for proof of stake, um, obviously that's important, but I, I can't get away from the problem of, you know, from the average person's viewpoint, they're, they're first most concerned about the sanctity or security of their own money. Like it's, it's one thing to abstract that to say, well, I'd like to, you know, quote, you know, promote decentralization. But, you know, the little guy doesn't necessarily have, you know, or for that matter, even a large investor, for that matter, uh, taking a, you know, 5% uh, slashing risk um, on a large amount of money is going to be a problem. So I, I, I've, I've always kind of found it interesting how, um, you know, the, the staker is basically is taking some risk for the, the yield and the reward they're getting. But it is very confusing uh, to figure out how safe your money truly is in the whole grand scheme of things. So um, I, what Stater is basically uh, uh, attempting to do is to provide some consumer benefit, um, you know, and then I think they're looking at uh, the possibility of sort of like institutional style staking and other things through their system. But for us, the individual user, I think their service is uh, valuable. Um, and in my view, like over time, they'll probably add more validators and such once, you know, more and more validators have a larger history to sort of distribute the um, staking, uh, you know, to wider variety of pools, wider variety of validators once they can be pretty sure that um, you're uh, – uh, they're providing like uh, access to validators that are uh, legitimately sort of battle tested. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So today, I think we have about twenty twenty one validators across the three pools uh, that we have on stake pools. All of them vetted for performance. Uh, one of the problems with, I mean, we obviously we all want to see all of the blockchain networks, especially Terra, to be as decentralized as it can get. Right. But the problem is among the tiny validators or the new validators, how are you going to make sure that each of these validators is performing well? For an average individual, it becomes really hard to monitor as well as to evaluate 
the uh, performance of these validators, right? Hence, it's very hard. Hence, most of the people uh, choose the top ten validators or top fifteen validators or go by the brand name validators just to avoid any kinds of risks. So that's that's where we come in, and obviously, we've selected a bunch of community validators, also the blue chip guys who are smaller validators yet decently performing ones. We are also uh, we had announced it a, a couple of weeks ago. We are also working on creating a small small creating a pool of really small validators whose voting percentage is less than 0.3% uh, so that people can comfortably stake with them because we we have vetted for their performance and uh, slashing history so yes your 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 answer you i hope that answers your question yeah no i i, I get it um and so I, I think if you're just playing on terra station and you're just pushing some buttons and you're trying to stake the reality is, is like the entire process is extremely opaque. Um, there's very little dashboard information on the Terra Station app, for example, where a lot of consumers are going to access Terra. There is um, data out there somewhere, but you, the reality is, is like, you know, we, we all know how crypto works. Like 99% of people have no idea what they're doing um, and certainly have uh, no clue when they show up um, on a new blockchain that they haven't used what in the world is going on what is the history of validators what are the you know the nuances between these things is really really opaque i mean it's hard enough to and i look at it this way it's hard enough to research a particular blockchain or a cryptocurrency or um a new project it's even more difficult when a lot of the uh nuances regarding slashing the subject matter regarding uh, validators and everything else, uh, it just becomes very technical for most people. Most people just want to like push a button and have number go up, right? They're not interested in learning all these things. So I think uh, these types of uh, products are very important. Um, so, you know, my thought of, so I have a, a maybe like a third of my, third of my uh, Luna assets, I think are uh, parked in Stator at the moment. And um, I was personally like in that community farming uh, scenario where I was basically like getting my SD tokens. And my, my understanding right now is that there's, there's also like a six month or so vesting period of my Luna wallet sitting there to sort of claim my, um, SD tokens. So I'm watching for those. Um, but I was just sort of watching the performance of the, um, the Luna that I'm acquiring through the auto compounding process. Cause there's, there's a page there on the site that allows you to either like auto compound all to Luna or there's a little slider there, right? Amit, where you can like yes. uh, take some of the rewards as like UST or something. Like, how does that work? Yeah, so that's uh, for for people who are who who are here who are not completely aware of the Stata platform. On the stake pools, there is a page called uh, subsection called strategies. That's kind of like the yield redirection strategies that we are uh, that we are going to build in the future. Right now, we only have two strategies. One is auto compound rewards and uh, retain your rewards. And uh, and then obviously in the future, we are going to expand this to several protocols. Like for some of the, some of some of the examples of what you can do with your rewards are, you can choose to say, you can choose to partially redirect, let's say 15% of your rewards to uh, AUST and deposit them in Anchor and automatically earn Anchor, uh, Anchor deposit rates. Or you can choose to, uh, redirect 30% of your lunar staking rewards into, let us say, a spectrum pool or an Apollo pool, uh, amplifying your yields. 
uh, and then there are a lot of crazy things that you can actually do right like convert all of them into ust and then keep them as passive income to cover your working capital needs uh, so this this entire strategy section is essentially for the sake of yield redirection on top of your staking rewards uh, currently there are two are two options for users they can select uh, to redirect their yield across these two options in any combination possible uh, you know, like you can basically set 100% of the rewards to be auto compounded or you can set uh, 50% 90% 0% of your rewards to be auto compounded while the remaining go into uh, into uh, while the remaining can be withdrawn at any point of time uh, on the stated app so that's that's kind of the overall context of this page uh, right now uh, all the rewards that you're getting uh, right now actually it's about your your out of the luna staking rewards about 30 40% last i checked it was actually higher than 40% of the staking rewards are actually in ust and stable coins majority of them are in ust so essentially what stader is doing is every day or every 48 hours uh, today based on the frequency of us uh, swapping your stablecoin rewards into luna on a dex we are actually taking your stable rewards converting them to luna and then restaking that so essentially what you're doing is dcaing into luna with your staking rewards uh, periodically using stader platform without incurring any gas fee so that's right. kind and of what we are doing with Stata. Yeah, and trimming all those fees uh, certainly uh, does help. Uh, and and the way I look at it is the the port some portion of what, can you review briefly the portion of um, rewards that usually come out as Luna in terms of yield and how much is usually like in other words simple staking how much of the yield is coming out as UST so people understand the proportions approximately like right now got you uh so i don't know the exact number as of today but based on my uh analysis that we have done about a few weeks ago it was roughly about 40 percent of the staking rewards that were coming in ust and other stable coins and 60 percent were coming in luna uh what the reason why terra is a very uh unique blockchain is because Terra success depends on USD's adoption, right? It's as simple as that. And most of us choose to pay gas fees in USD. So all of that, I mean, major, a significant component of that is actually flowing through staking rewards. And obviously there is this uh, synergy burn of Luna that is happening, which is generating significant amount of USD and those are flowing in as staking rewards too. So uh, this trend, I we expect the trend to continue as, as hundreds of protocols start building on Terra ecosystem and there is significant amount of transaction fees that are being paid out in USD. I do expect this percentage of stablecoin rewards to go up. Obviously, Luna price also has a uh, uh, also has a component to play in terms of the percentage of rewards that are paid out in uh, USD and other stables. So as of today, it's significant amount of rewards being paid out in USD. So the way you can look at the uh, the slider on that strategies page is you could look at it from the angle of, okay, I'd like to take for, for let's just take sort of like the extreme examples on of the strategies. You could take all of that in UST, in which case it's going to be, the system is essentially in the background selling your Luna. 
uh, and uh, combining that with any UST that you've acquired. And it's going to like, you know, provide the opportunity to essentially uh, basically dollar cost average out of your staking rewards. But the nice thing about that is if you need to have cash flow, you're not actually showing a Luna taxable event to sell uh, to sell uh, to UST. The UST is just sort of coming out as an income at that point. So, uh, which is theoretically taxable in, in that sense, but you're not having to sort of like worry about the cost basis of your Luna. So that's sort of like one of the advantages I see there if people need that functionality. Um, on the other hand, the... Uh, just one clarification, uh -huh. Sefi, here. Uh, uh -huh. So the strategy that you have mentioned is not live yet, but it's very easy to implement. Uh, I, I just don't know the tax component of it. Uh, it might be the case with certain geographies. So I do not, I don't know yet. Well, what, what, what it means it. is when it, when, it, uh, when it functions where you can extract UST, what it means is that just functions as pure income at that point. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily. So for example, if I claim Luna in most jurisdictions and then I sell it, then I'm going to be making claiming a taxable event. I'm forming a taxable event against the first Luna that I ever bought. So for example, if Luna is $80 now, and my first Luna I bought was like five, I might be at this point paying capital gains on the, the you know, $75 gain that I made on my first Luna. So this is the kind of issue. So it is a very important utility to be able to sort of exit to UST directly without have, and having it done in the background without recording to the blockchain a, um, you know, because this is all happening in the background in the smart contracts without having to record like the sale of Luna. So this can be a fairly good utility for people who need to develop like a cash flow position, essentially, ultimately. That's kind of how I see it. Now, the flip side is like what's happening to your Luna and UST otherwise. Normally, if you're getting like 60% of your uh, gains in Luna anyway, that's not any different. It's just be it's being restaked for you in the background so that you now can earn yield on that Luna that you just got. And then it's taking all that UST on a daily basis and on KRT, MNT, all those coins, and it's buying you more Luna. So the, propor the, the proportionality, sort of like when, when the price of Luna falls, the amount of UST you get does not change. It, it, it's, it's dependent more on the, the how many Luna you have. So the good thing there is as the price of Luna falls, you're actually getting more Luna that day from the from the UST rewards. So that can sort of be a good thing for your auto compounder in that you are basically dollar cost averaging into Luna's price while it's lower, which is kind of a nice feature. Um, so you're really optimizing sort of buying also in a sense of new Luna with that money um to the extent that that's possible now you could get into sort of the math of like is dca better or dynamic dca like if you were to just simply like claim rewards normally right one option i could have was if i had if i had regular staking i could technically take all those rewards and only buy luna on the dips in theory or something like that but by and large like dca works just as well for the most part and that's essentially what it's sort of doing for you in the background. Um, so that's sort of like for actually an average you... user. Uh, I just want to add something here, Sefi, for an average user, uh, if they have to do this claiming of rewards and uh, swapping those UST rewards into Luna, the gas costs are going to be prohibitive. It almost costs about 0.4 UST to actually do this per per event. So it's going to be it's going to be a decently expensive affair 
uh, I mean, not mentioning the uh, the painful process of claiming all of these and and then swapping all of them. Yes. So yeah, the smaller you are, the the more disproportionately painful the fees end up being is what he's saying. And I, so that's exactly true. So if you're doing a million dollar transaction, and it's 40 cents uh, or whatever. It's not a big deal. But if you're doing a $10 transaction, 40 cents doesn't really make sense. So what happens is smaller users end up actually claiming uh, uh, their rewards less frequently and therefore tend to auto compound much less frequently. So the the impact is disproportionately higher or worse for the small user in that respect. So that is uh, for the retail user. It, it, if all you're trying to do is get staking rewards, um, I, I think Stater is the more efficient way to do it. Um, the uh, so then uh, getting into a little bit of the uh, Luna X, which is the product where essentially. Um, um, so for, for Luna X, the idea is you have a liquid staking token to where it's accumulating rewards. The value of the coin is rising similar to AUST. If anybody has used uh, Anchor UST and it's sitting in your wallet, you'll notice that it's not worth a dollar. It's worth more than a dollar. Um, and in this case, Luna X should over time become worth more than Luna because it's actually accruing the value of the auto compounding system. Um, Actually, I had a question regarding Luna X, and that is, um, where can you keep your Luna X where it where Stater is going to be able to recognize that you're earning sort of rewards on it? Does like so? For example, if Luna X is locked in a smart contract, another smart contract, is it still capturing that value, or how does that work? I mean, or like, um, I think it gets confusing to understand like. In, in what circumstances is your Luna X actually, is it snapshots that are happening every week or how do you know how much reward and how much uh, airdrops you're getting and what circumstances would you not get them with your Luna X? Gotcha. I think uh, it's a, it's a very, uh, very deep question. Uh, so for the purpose of simplicity, let's separate out the staking rewards and airdrops because the source of each of these is different. Staking rewards are actually, if, if you think about the entire stake pool, uh, which is Luna X, the staking rewards are uh, being claimed by the smart contract that is minting Luna X. And all those staking rewards, just like the stake pools, all the UST is converted, UST and all the stable coins are converted into Luna and restaked every day. So essentially, what is happening is at the beginning of day, assume that there is 100 Luna X and then 100 Luna uh, that got staked onto the contract. At the end of the day, assume that the staking returns are 10 Luna. So essentially there is 110 Luna in the staking contract, but then there is only 100 Luna X. That means your the supply of Luna X has remained the same, but your Luna that is backing it has increased by 10%. So essentially your Luna X price will increase by 10%. That's what you see on the Stater liquid staking DAP, where we update the price of Luna X every day. So if you are actually, uh, it doesn't matter where you keep your Luna X. You can port it through any swap or wormhole and take it to Solana or anywhere. But still, the value of Luna X keeps increasing on Stater. If you have to realize that value, you can uh, come back and unstake it on Stater at no cost. You will get the Luna that is as per the exchange price that is going on on that day. 
but if you have to unstay if you have to unlock it immediately the only option to do that is currently teraswap uh, where you can swap that luna x for luna instantaneously so now so, the, so the complete uh, just to make it clear just to make it clear i meant for everybody so because uh, this is what this is the question i'm trying i think i'm trying to ask so you, if you go to TerraSwap, for example, you have some sort of price for Luna X, and it tends to vary, right, from moment to moment. Um, to to get the absolute ma maximum value out of that Luna X, like let's say, so you would have to go onto Sater's site and do what? Hit the unstake button, essentially, or yes. like yes, that's, yes. and then you get the precise, like lossless, I should say, value of Luna X, and that's the only way to get it, correct? Uh, so it, it depends on the price on uh, TerraSwap, to be very honest. If the price on TerraSwap is greater than the price of Stater plus 0.3% of TerraSwap commission, then you might you might end up getting a higher price for your Luna X on TerraSwap. Got it. Okay. Because I think when people are TerraSwapping, I don't know that they fully understand that principle you know like right now it may not make it be a big deal because luna x and luna are not very different in price but say for example a year from now when luna x's value is worth 10 percent more than luna it's you know you can't just simply go and swap it and, and expect to have like an understanding of the precise value because you'd have to really check state or site you'd have to check your site correct to know the precise um like if you were to just unstake on stater that's the true value of luna x um right yep, is that absolutely does that make sense okay the, the reason the reason i was asking this is because different protocols and such that want to use luna x in their various uh platforms um you know because the whole point of luna x is it's a liquid staking token and therefore the benefit of it is theoretically that you can like trade the luna x uh while still getting a lot of the um, you know, staking and airdrop rewards. And, you know, the time period that um, you're either holding in your wallet or uh, uh, participating in some kind of trading, it's a accumulating value um, in, in the token itself. So just for folks uh, to be really clear, you, you're not going to get the same benefit. Uh, well, I, just, I should say you have to be careful when you're just simply Terra swapping Luna X because you may not be getting the true value from it. Because uh, I don't know that the people that are playing on TerraSwap are necessarily paying close attention to the precise value of Luna. So you could theoretically get Luna X cheaper, you know, than it than it should, you know, than the the true value on TerraSwap, and sometimes it might be more expensive. So that is something for folks to be careful about on that piece of the puzzle. I've noticed that to be a kind of confusing thing. Um, it's it's actually, in fact, uh, on even on the Stater site, I would say. Um, you almost want to have some info page about how that works because it really is yep. not obvious to, I think, most people. Yep, absolutely. Thanks a lot for the suggestions. We'll be working on the product explainer flows, which should be live soon. Yeah, it's almost like you, you people should understand like what benefits they're getting precisely from using Luna X versus traditional staking. Because even Luna X, in, in order to unstake it, it takes... Like a true unstaking of it, it takes 21 to 24 days, right? Yep, yep. It will take so much time, yes. No, no, so different, than, to... uh, no different than the simple staking uh, in that regard, correct? Yes, that's right. Okay, okay. I just want to add something here. Uh, today, if you see the price of Luna X is almost 1.009 Luna, 
and uh, generally the price on teraswap uh, ignoring ignoring like really big drawdowns uh, is typically typically is between 0.3 to minus 0.8% of the price that is there on uh, state platform because in, if if the price of luna x goes outside this range that opens up arbitrage opportunities for arbitrages so typically the price of luna x should range between 0.3% to minus 0.8% of the price of luna x on state platform so what that means is in one year from now when luna x is 1.1 say for simplicity 1.1 luna the price of luna x even on terra swap would vary between 1.08 luna to uh, sorry 1.04 or 02 luna to probably 1.13 1.14 luna so that's how the price on terra swap will also slowly increase yeah and eventually there'll probably people once the delta is wide enough probably people will you know build some little arbitrage bots or something to take advantage of that and that'll help sort of maintain the peg of like say for example an astroport or a, or a terra swap price of luna x to the true value of luna x on your site um yep. uh, but yeah for now folks just have to watch out now one thing you could do on your site by the way as a slight suggestion is if like for example if you use astroport and you're trying to swap for something for example luna to bonded luna as an example it actually shows you at the very bottom of the page in like green or red like the percentage uh like either slip not the slippage but the percentage uh uh like discount or penalty essentially from the true rate so if you're, you're off peg it would be nice to know right on the stator site like if you have the swapping mechanism right there but it actually showed you you know okay i'm getting it like one percent cheaper than it should be or one percent more expensive than it should be it'd be nice to be able to show right on the swap um on the stator page like what's happening right there does that make sense Amit? like because you yeah. right now you have to go and like check teraswap and you got to check stater and then figure out wait am i getting the right rate for this what's going on it's really kind of tricky totally makes sense that's a great suggestion so like if, yeah i mean the the reference would be maybe look at how astroport does it at the bottom of their page there's like a little percentage um like for example if i'm getting when i'm converting from luna to bonded luna if i'm getting like you know you know extra bonded in it it'll say like 0.8 percent uh you know and it'll be drawn in green and like you know you, you you can tell you're getting a discount essentially um it, it's something similar so that uh, people don't accidentally um you know accidentally you know buy too high or sell too low or whatever would be helpful yep 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 totally makes sense so anyway but uh the the uh, maybe we you want to go ahead and open for some questions. I, I know I've gotten a little bit into the weeds yes. with that Luna X thing, but it, it was a subject of kind of like confusion for me. And I thought it was sort of worth sorting that out for a moment. Um, so like, and, and it also helps sort of like for people to think about, you know, like what my thought process is when it comes to evaluating these details, right? Like, cause you might not think of these nuances. Um, so sometimes these sort of detailed questions sound like, well, are we just losing the general audience? But at the same time, it's like, uh, I, I think it helps in a way sort of just like maybe the point of me being here partly is so everyone can sort of understand like how I got to where I'm at with using Stator, what my thought process is and the technical details, 
and uh, the types of things you might have not realized you're missing uh, while you're sort of like navigating all of this. Um, because you know, obviously, yep. you can get you can get like the average user can get a lot of information directly from, say, for example, Stater, the white paper, or any other conversation. Um, I try to sort of bring maybe um, some element of technicality to it, just because that's sort of my thing. <laughs> so if you get a nerd on, it helps yep. to sort of like you know let me nerd out a little bit. <laughs> so uh, totally questions. <laughs> let me get Gooder on. He was sort of waiting here. Uh, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name right, uh, but go ahead, man. You have a question? No, I'm okay for right now. I'm listening. I just wanted to have the capacity to ask you. I didn't understand something. Gotcha. Sure thing. Sure thing. I think one more question that you one more question that you had, uh, uh, Sefi, which was around airdrops. Uh, I'll just take a few seconds to explain that the way Stader does airdrops for LunaX holders or LunaX LP. LP, stay, LP providers today is that we take a random snapshot every week and then based on that random snapshot, we we find out which wallets are holding LunaX and which wallets are providing LunaX, Luna LP and allocate the airdrops that were given on that particular week uh, in the proportion of the LunaX holdings. That is how we do it uh, today. So what that means is in the future, let's say we integrate with what that means is LunaX is actually leaving their wallets and then getting deposited into the smart contract that holds LunaX as a collateral. So in the future, when we expand to or when we integrate LunaX to these wallet, these smart contracts, we take a snapshot of the LunaX holdings on these smart contracts as well, just like the TerraSwap LP. And those those wallets that were providing LunaX as collateral will be eligible to receive airdrops. And potentially stated tokens as well. That is how. So, that is how. So what you're saying works. is, so what you're saying is each protocol or whatever that implements Luna X, they have to sort of integrate with you guys to make like claim all of their rewards and all of that, or they, in other words, if they don't want to manually they don't have go to those integrate. background. Okay. They don't, they don't have, have to, to integrate. Okay. We already have. We already have the have the node that takes these snapshots. We just have to we just have to input the contract address, and the node does the job. Oh, got it. Okay, okay, great. Um, Bernard, uh, do you have a question? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, great questions hi, on your part, C five. Hey, hi. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, you're yep. good. Go ahead. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, this is very informative. Just so happens I was unstaking from another pool, so. I'll be directing some of that Luna to uh, Stater. And I like the way you uh, described it, CFI, in terms of uh, all this dust accumulation. So to drill down on that a little bit more, am I understanding that you can now specify that you don't want, you know, KRT and MNT and so forth. You just want to receive either UST or all Luna? That's my first question. And then the second question, because I'm driving, I haven't really gone onto the site, but are there statistics, sort of a dashboard that lets you know how much, um, what percent you're you're actually earning or accumulating of Luna or, or whatever it is that you're actually receiving? Um, because you use the example, and I'm sure it was just an example of like 10% for that day. Um, I just wanted to know, you know, how do you keep track of actually how much you're 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 earning in, in rewards? 
Well, it does. Gotcha. It does show you. Currently on the site, it does show you. Just from my my user experience, it does show you what um, you know how much Luna you're earning every week. Um, it's sort of like the Luna shows up. I think what maybe every Tuesday. I met. Is that right? Uh, so it's different for both the products. Uh, for liquid staking, you will be able to see the APY on the website on the liquid staking pool. But if you're choosing the plain staking pool, you can actually see the APR numbers against each of the pools. And that APR number is updated uh, once in 48 hours. So you can see like what is the percentage of Luna rewards that you're making. Okay. Yeah, and, and uh, That's the... what I... What I tend to Go do on. is, um, it is with the what what I would be interested in too in the future would be like in a dashboard that maybe shows a comparator at some point. Like, you know, if someone had started, you know, on you know January thirteenth, twenty twenty two, you know, staking, you know, normally versus had they used Stater, like maybe have like a little counter that shows, like you know, how much more people are earning per, you know. You know, in terms of long term, yeah. it, it might, some sort of comparison would be helpful um, from some reference point. I think for a lot of people, uh, just like to be able to visualize it. I think um, you know how useful is this in terms of um, auto compounding rewards. And I think it's uh, for many people. It's not so much how much dramatically more you're making with auto compounding, but the fact that you're just like being maximally efficient to whatever extent that's possible. The lower, by the way, Luna's overall yield is, the less important, theoretically, mathematically at least, auto compounding becomes versus like manually compounding every quarter or something. But um, uh, it right now, while Luna's yields are relatively higher for the next couple of years, I think um, it is pretty uh, valuable to go ahead to auto compound. Let me get Mendiv on real quick. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Hey, Chef. Hey, Strategy hey, what's team. Up? How are you? So two, two or three things. Uh, first is just what Bernardo said, that single dashboard, like on a front page, like how much you have invested, how much it gathered. Otherwise, one need to go like manage my holdings or portfolio or whatever the, the strategies, and then they're able to see. So that's one. Second, so immediate, uh, like from the, uh, what do you, I think Sefi was mentioning earlier, Luna X and Luna pool, if you want to get out early, like Instaburn through uh, uh, TerraSwap, it's not visible. Mm. Like, it doesn't see the Luna X pair there. So I don't know why. I was trying to do that yesterday, and I couldn't. So I just had to wait now, because I think your commission expires on 20th of January. So I just said, OK, I'll just wait for five more days or 10 more days. And then Prism starts on 25th. Gotcha. Yeah, Prism starts on 25th. So I have like 10 days in between. Well, I'm earning nothing, but that's okay. And the third and last important question, I unstacked or trying to unstack everything from Stater to go into Prism. So what's your strategy to beat Prism? Because I'm pretty much confident that it will be a black hole for Luna going forward. Unless you come out with a strategy to support why Luna for Luna X and then Luna X into Mirror somehow, like multiple layers, right? That's what I'm thinking. Otherwise, one after the other, all will go unstack and go into Prism. And that's, uh, yeah, okay. let me hit your, 
hit uh, hit your uh, mute because you've got some like uh, treadmill noise there or something going on. Oh yeah, I'm walking. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> let's cover some of those questions. So Amit, uh, uh, so first off, yeah, the um, I, I think yeah, I mean, what he was mentioning about dashboards and such, I think are coming. Uh, there's some thinking behind how to to create those. Um, but uh, yeah, what, what what is your what are your thoughts on like how Stater and like Prism interact, and what kind of theories have you guys put together on that? Gotcha. That's an interesting question. Uh, so let me clarify that I think the way Luna X works is a little different because essentially, I mean, we do the the reason why we chose the Luna X design was that a lot of lunatics would love to actually have the principal appreciation from Luna and maximize their Luna rewards while staking. So Luna X does that. And the utility of Luna X is different. Where you can go put Luna X on that matter and uh, potentially in the future with protocols like Edge or Mars, while earning your staking rewards, you, you are actually collateralizing the Luna X and then being able to further participate in DeFi, right? While at the same time, all the time being eligible for airdrops, et cetera. So that is how Luna yeah. X is designed. And on the flip side, I would mention to people, there is a difference in how Prism works as well. So the Y Luna token is not a, it's not a liquid staked derivative. The value of Y Luna is not rising over time. So why is that different? Because if I'm going to, in the future, produce sort of like a, like an AUST Luna X um, rebalancer, uh, sort of like a volatility arbitrage bot, and I'm going to get into some technical details here, but there are some definite uh, sort of products or like financial instruments or, or like machines that can be built using Luna X that cannot necessarily be done with Y Luna because... Why Luna is a is a like more of a fixed staking solution from what my understanding of it is. So it, they are different, um, and uh, they'll have different uh, like use cases as far as like trading instruments and as far as like staking instruments. So I think uh, these are some uh, thoughts for people to consider. Um, they're yeah, they're not all the same thing. Uh, so there, there'll be some interesting sort of possibilities also with, in my view, and this is just, again, I'm not a member of Stater. This is sort of like how I'm thinking this out as a DGEN, <laughs> is that there are going to be interesting things that you can do perhaps with the combination of Y Luna and Luna X as well, because Y Luna's price is going to vary um, differently than Luna X. And there could be some interesting um, sort of like volatility arbitrage type things that you're, you could do there while still earning. In other words, you can use Luna as a trading instrument and have like getting some additional yield off the various volatility. Uh, and I might be able to use Luna X uh, with Luna, Y Luna in this context. So um, yeah, I think the, uh, if you start using your imagination, what's gonna happen is there will be some interesting new things built using combinations of these things so don't don't assume necessarily like one is necessarily quote unquote better than the other but they have complementary features i think is how i look at it um i mean any other theories there or uh, how you want to yeah my my concern was like not a concern but just a just a thought like pre pre prism era luna x is perfect whatever is supposed to be built right and is doing what is supposed to do 
but post prism that might change or if it doesn't change then it might be a like survival you know instance at that time no but they're not they're not the same thing uh the the way you have to think about this is what what, because why luna's uh price also is going to vary on its own so if uh that yeah the refracting process is slightly different than what these guys are doing um and uh yeah there, there, there are maybe pros and cons to this by the way but in general um stator's role is just it's just a little bit different you just have to kind of uh there are some details but yeah no question i think i I think even Emmett would agree like there's going to be all sorts of different like competing ways to do you know staking types of strategies going forward um but Emmett, uh, maybe you could comment briefly about what your thoughts are for uh staking with other chains and such right because there's going to be some interesting possible strategies that emerge is my thought um yeah, definitely. So one of the, uh, as we speak, we have we have totally. been working on several other several other blockchains. Uh, so one of the interesting pieces that we can build in the future are these ETFs, which is which are basically these cross chain ETFs composed of several assets. Uh, example is thirty percent Solana, forty percent Terra or Luna, and thirty forty percent ETH. Right. So essentially, people can just simply stake with uh, this product and then get exposure to all of these underlying assets while earning staking rewards. So some of these projects, some of these products are in the works. Uh, and then obviously at the same time, uh, we can, we are in the conversations with other protocols to build integrations where the yields can be redirected from either other protocols to buy Luna or Luna X or from the Luna stake pools to buying other protocol tokens. So several possibilities exist, and uh, we have been working on some of them already uh, to make them make them a reality. Got it. Um, Sefi, you had, you had certain interesting observations as well on this front, right? This room is yeah, sponsored by Wet really Pants good. Denim, an iconic fashion brand providing jeans that mimic the aesthetic of <laughs> there's like trolls showing up so let me make sure i kick some of these people um there's a couple of known trolls i just had to boot off of there <laughs> so sorry about that um so uh yeah what what he was saying was that uh with the addition of cross-chain assets you're going to be able to uh do some neat things like um take yields from one coin that you think is are interesting say for example adam and you might be able to buy like uh you know solana x or something like that so there there are some other additional theoretical possibilities coming forward as we do this. Um, this should be pretty cool. Um, let me get Dan and then uh, Danku for a minute. Uh, Dan, uh, what's up? Oh, hey guys, I was just hoping we could rewind a second back to the airdrops. Can you talk a second about um, if you guys are able to support like the one-time airdrops too? Like if we were staking a significant amount of Luna with Stator and like something like Orion or something like Astroport came out where they're giving a one-time drop to uh lunar stakers are you guys capturing that yeah definitely uh so i mean the specific protocols that you've mentioned uh have taken the snapshot especially i think astroport took a snapshot before we launched stator uh so to to answer your question even one-time snapshots are captured by stator uh especially if you have been staking with stator at the time of snapshot capture and also when we actually 
when the protocols are distributing the airdrops based on snapshots, you will be eligible to receive those airdrops. Great, awesome. And uh, can you also explain one more time for me uh, the 3% fee and what servers you're getting for that? Okay, sure. So uh, just for, in for your information, during the first two months of uh, stake pools, uh, the fee is 0%. The 3% fee will be applicable after Jan 20th. And uh, the the key benefits of Stata Platform are, uh, there are three major benefits. One is we simplify the validator discovery by vetting the validators and monitoring their performance actively. That's one. The second one is basically we claim all the rewards, staking rewards per se, including all the stablecoin rewards, UST, KRT, all of them convert all these stablecoin rewards to Luna at zero cost for you and restake that with uh, the with, with the state of pools. What you are essentially doing with this is DCAing into Luna every two days or every day, depending on the frequency at which we are compounding. And then on top of this, your Luna is compounded every day. That's the second major benefit. The third major benefit is basically we are claiming all the airdrops on behalf of you where and then you can obviously claim all of these airdrops at one go in one transaction for all of these we are charging three percent of the staking rewards as our fee and that's uh, i meant three percent of the staking rewards or three percent of the uh like auto compounding rewards or what what fraction of the actual this is three percent of the staking rewards mostly deducted okay. from the ust ust rewards Got it, got it. Um, Danko, you wanna hop on? Hey, thank you. Um, hey, Danko, I appreciate hi. all the questions. Hey, Amit, how are you? And Sefra, you're doing, doing an amazing job asking. <laughs> That's good to hear. I hope so, right? Also, cool. now that the farming is over. <laughs> um, no, the farming Sefra, is not over. The liquid staking uh, farming uh, is ongoing. Ah, the liquid The Luna X, farming. Luna LP is ongoing. Yeah, that's, um, but, um, you know, that's why I wanted also to quickly um, hop on in terms of what um, Mandish was kind of saying. Um, I think Prism and Stata are very different also from a tax perspective. I always enjoy, Sifai, what you also reflect on that we are degens, you said it earlier, right? And um, we also need to think of that staking is often the simplest thing for people in institutions in the future, right? So they will not go in Prism, refract their assets, um, understand what they need to do with Y Luna and P Luna. Um, I think those are two different solutions. Also, I mean, if I in Germany go with my Luna to Prism and refract it, I need to, as you said, Sefai earlier, because of uh, FIFO in Germany, uh, pay tax, right, on my Luna. If I put it on normal Stata staking and get the compounding rewards and get rid of all the stable coins, um, it's not a taxable event for me. I think those are different um, use cases, right? And um, that's exactly. Why there's the power of of Stata coming from. Go ahead. Yeah, the tax efficiency uh, is is very important because you basically, if I'm paying taxes in most countries, what happens yeah. is is I, um, I really only have to sort of like pay taxes when I withdraw any Luna at that point from the rewards that I've accrued. But I can do it all at one time. I could have it run for years and not have to pay withdrawal rewards while getting the auto compounding benefits. What Mandivs are saying is like, hey, I'm just going to take my 
you know, $10 million of Luna or whatever. And, you know, let's just make up some high number just for kind of fun. But like, so you, what would happen is if you went and like, you know, let's say you bought Luna at $5 and now it's at 80 bucks and you decide to go like split it to Y Luna and P Luna, most jurisdictions, that's going to be a taxable event. And you now are paying capital gains on $75 or whatever. So that is something for people to understand if they're, they're, um, you know, they're planning on, you know, paying taxes or whatever. And that's, that's true. Most sort of like countries and jurisdictions. So Donku's Don point is well taken. <laughs> so um, it, there, there are situations. How is Luna X treated from a ta- Sorry, Safi, please go ahead. Uh-huh. No, so it's, there are some countries where that, what I'm saying is not true, but most places that's how capital gains is set up. Um, they're not going to know like what the, di- well, first off, Luna, why Luna and P Luna will be substantially differently priced from Luna. Obviously it'll be something like, so in that situation, it's going to be an obvious taxable scenario. There's not going to be any way to really get around it. It's a very different price. It's a very different asset. Whereas, for example, um, and then even for that matter, if I convert from Luna to Luna X, in theory, depending on how you do your accounting, that's theoretically a taxable event too. But if you just simply stake, that is not necessarily, um, you know, it's entering a smart contract and it's just sitting there. Um, you know, it, it doesn't count as like a sale of your asset or anything. Um, and so, there, yeah, there's a very uh, significant tax efficiency element to Stater. And that's, Dunk is right. It's not an automatic thing that everyone should be going and playing in prison necessarily. It's going to depend on your situation. And also for Luna X, I think, Amit, you were asking that, at least what I can reflect for most of the European countries. If you basically go now staking with Luna X instead of the normal staking at Stata, it's also a taxable mm-hmm. event, right? Because Luna X is basically an accruing token, uh, basically also Quite like true. A to A, um, AUST to UST should be the same. Um, it's not the same for B Luna Luna, right? Because the yield yeah. that you're getting from B Luna, you need to claim it separately. So only the claimable event of that one is then relevant. But Luna X and its auto compounding at itself. It's basically first time mm-hmm. you get it, unfortunately, <laughs> at least oh, for gotcha. myself, I need to um, pay tax. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but can you explain this to me? Uh, mm-hmm. So how is it treated in terms of, because it's not a, it's not a token that increases in volume, right? It's a token that increases in value. That's correct. Uh, so because it, because it increases in value, it, it, it behaves no differently than a stock. So imagine like I have, mm. you know, stock in, you know, Microsoft and, and, you know, it's worth a hundred dollars and then it goes up to $200. Then my like capital gain is the hundred dollar difference in growth. Right. But it doesn't, uh, it, or similar to like an ETF where, or a mutual fund where the value of your mutual fund, um, like, you know, uh, you know, symbol, it goes up in value. So the capital gain is just the difference between the two. So it's pretty simple in that regard too. So um gotcha. yeah it's it's, it's so not that different people, than just doing it by itself in that regard got you so in your jurisdiction sefi if for example you are you're holding luna x and uh, you will potentially incur a taxable capital gains event when you exchange that luna x for luna or another asset is that uh, is that right Yes. I mean, if especially if there's a, you know, you're not going to probably get away with anything like kind exchange if it's like dramatically different in value, right? Like if it's almost one to one, you know, probably someone's going to say, oh, yeah, sure, I get it. It's it's a very close exchange and it's some sort of like, you know, because there's not a lot of rules regarding all these stupid different um, like <laughs> things that we do in, yep. in DeFi. 
uh, that it's a little bit nebulous, but um, yeah, it well, yeah, with all these things, it all depends on your particular area what you think you can defend in an audit. That's a different story altogether. But but if I were buying Luna today and I just simply bought Luna X, the theoretical benefit would be all I have to do is like just you know sell it at some point in the future, not have to have a whole lot of like you know uh, compounding related transactions and. I could stay liquid if I need to sort of trade it or something like that. Um, so yeah, but but for most people, I would say the simple staking is going to be the right answer on Stater. It just does its job. The fees are nominal. You know, maybe you don't have any particular needs for liquid staked Luna or Luna X. Yeah. Um, Luna X is going to be a specific instrument for uh, specific types of transactions and whatnot. And um, if you don't know what you're going to use Luna X for, don't get Luna X. Just get regular. Just stake normally on Stater. Is how I would think about this. Uh, so yeah. it, once you figure it out, I think, hey, well, I, I, once you figure it out, you have some reason to ha use Luna X for some sort of, you know, particular trading reason or something. Then start worrying about that. <laughs> yep, I think uh, you're right. A lot of people actually ask this question even on our uh, or uh, even on our Telegram or Discord groups for people who want to just stake for longer time periods and who don't need the flexibility of having liquidity on their staked assets should just stake with uh, stake pools and be done with it. But for people who prefer the uh, flexibility of having liquidity while also being able to enjoy airdrops and staking rewards, Luna X is the right token. And, uh, and obviously, as, as in when we add more and more integrations on top of Luna X, like the mirror integration or edge or Mars integrations, that's when uh, the power of Luna X will truly be unlocked. Um, let me get Jay on for a minute. Uh, Jay, you there? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, hey, so hi, guys. Uh, my question is about the Stater token utility and, and its impact on decentralization. Because I see a, a, your light paper, there's this part about a Stater token enabling preferential delegations, right? So that means like validators can stake the stater token and then a percentage of the delegations of your stake pools will be proportionally allocated based on the amount of stater token staked. Right? And they really draw parallels to the curve wars right now where, where protocols are fighting for the curve tokens to, to redirect curve use, right? And, and, mm. and, and now like validators can essentially buy stater tokens um, and then redirect where the stake pools are go to so so would that yeah. impact decentralization just want to get your thoughts on that uh i think uh, so i think what you're what you're saying is basically if we had a single pool which has uh, like all the 120 validators then obviously there is a potential impact on decentralization but but what we have enabled is several validator pools that have uh, that have the ability to take stakes, uh, take delegations, and then split it across several validators, right? So what we what we mean by the commentary in the white paper is essentially in a particular pool where we select validators of equal, uh, validators who belong to a particular category, they need to compete to stake stater tokens uh, to get that even though, even though they need to hold and stake stater tokens, we don't give 100% of the delegations in the same proportion of their stater token staking, we give only a percentage. Say, for example, 50% of the delegations will be 
allocated equally across all of these validators, while the remaining 50% will be allocated based on their staking of Stata tokens. One thing I would uh, sort of remind everyone about this sort of like the theory of decentralization. Um, like, it's one thing to say, like, everyone has a philosophy that we should all have decentralization, and that's how proof of stake should, quote unquote, work. But it's it gets weird where what, what gets really weird is like, what is the theoretical uh, future versus what is the actual reality? And, and this is like the, the, the pro, like this is the same problem, like in economics and government, where, for example, like you'll have proponents of a economic theory of like, say, for example, socialism, and then you'll have another economic theory of like, say, capitalism, right? And think about it this way, like, let's say, for example, you're a proponent of, um, you know, socialism, uh, or, you know, and I'm not saying you, you should or shouldn't be. I'm just saying, like, let's say you're a proponent of one or the other. So here's the thing. So let's say, for example, I were to build you a, a smartphone and uh, the smartphone that I built you is like not very good. Right. Like, let's say it's not a Google phone. It's not a, you know, like Apple phone or whatever. It's just something and I built it. Um, and, and you might think to yourself, Hey, you know what? I'd like to buy that poor idiot's phone because, you know, like, I believe that, you know, the two behemoths in the tech industry are like, you know, uh, uh, monopolizing the whole world and they're going to have like a tech hegemony and they're going to, you know, like they're going to check all my private data and therefore blah, blah, blah. Right. You have a, a variety of reasons why you would love to see like a dozen smartphone operators uh, create a dozen great platforms and tons of shit to choose from. But the, rea the real universe is there is this tendency towards centralization. Um, and what nobody has worked out, not in government, not in tech, not in anything, is the ability to fully decentralize things in a manner that remains consistent over the long term. There is a tendency for sort of like money to be magnetic because here you are, the individual user, and you're left with the decision of, okay, like, do I want this validator who's like slashed, you know, six times 5% over the last year, or do I want this pro validator that has performed perfectly? When it comes to, when it comes to your personal money, uh, what you're going to end up doing as individuals is you're going to make decisions that are basically good for you. Um, you're, you're, you're not going to like, many people aren't going to sort of like throw, say, for example, a million dollars at a validator who's doing a shitty job, because in a sense, yeah, you could believe in the socialization of validators and say, you know what, that validator's got to eat and they've got to like, have, you know, the, if they, you know, but at the same time, like the capitalist theory is going to say, well, you're going to end up punishing the guy who's not actually giving you the service that they claim they're going to give you. Because at some level that becomes theft, right? Because if like, you know, someone says they're going to be a good validator, but they're not. So all of these problems exist and i think there's no um there's no perfect way to solve all of them in this sort of like the the flare of decentralization because if you give voting power to a shitty validator for example you wind up with just the same problems that you're trying to avoid to some extent right so it doesn't necessarily promote what you, what everyone wants in a utopia is you want like a hundred different uh apple smartphone manufacturers all with different brands, all that are interoperable, all that work perfectly, all that have as good of security as the other. But in the real universe, like it's almost impossible to marshal the resources 
to have that happen on a consistent basis. So from a proof of stake philosophical standpoint, I don't know what the solution to all this is. The way I show that a way I look at it as a like theoretically like a retail customer that I'm going into staking is I want a solution that sort of works for me. And if I can do so with some uh, like, like, for example, the community validator pool um, that's available on Stater that has some of the different community validators. These are validators that have been clearly productive in providing a service to our community. They've created websites that um, help the community track, you know, performance of the Terra network and such. So I, I actually like to throw some of my staking into the into the community pool because I think there is they're providing value to me. They're not charging me for that either. They don't force me to go and, uh, you know. I, in other words, I, in order to use Smart Stakes website, I don't necessarily have to validate with them. So it's sort of like we are donating, in a sense, to those community validators um, to because they provide a service we think is useful. So that's a little bit of how you have to think about this. But you, it, like anyone that wants to promote decentralization by purposefully uh, putting their sort of money in a less, um, maybe you know, less than stellar validator or whatever, that's entirely up to everybody. But if you think about it, if you automatically uh, create a system that, like, like Amit said, if you like, let's say for example, they decided they're going to just basically one make one massive pool, and uh, everyone's money just goes into that, and all of the money just goes into all the different validators without any concern for like their performance, right? Like, let's say you just average everybody out. Then what happens is you you get decentralization, but the problem that you wind up having is is that there is no actual mechanism then for a validator to have to perform well. Because if they're getting paid no matter what, right, they can just screw around and do whatever they want, right? So you see the problem? Like, so if you, any sort of attempt to force decentralization has a sort of like perverse, uh, you know, it, it has perverse outcomes also. So the way I look at the, all of these systems is it's like a survival of the fittest. It's like evolution to some extent, um, you know, the socialists don't like to hear survival of the fittest because they don't they want to like save everybody. And the capitalists, the problem is uh, uh, survival of the fittest works. But then it's sort of like, you know, the, the, the argument the socialists will make is that it leaves certain people behind in this process. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, nature sort of sorted this out already in that, like, survival of the fittest is the way the world works for the past five billion years. And my sense is on the long run, like philosophically, all this will work itself out. Um, and, you know, you know, and, and proof of stake networks are going to have to figure out um, maybe specifically methods to improve decentralization. But it's going to be very hard for you as the individual or for like Stater to solve all of the decentralization problems or for that matter, be necessarily the ones that are at fault for all of the centralization problems. So it's a really tough it's a really tough like issue, um, you know, that everyone's always thinking about, but no one ever has like. A solution right like it's the same as like government everyone thinks they have their the, the perfect answer but like we, yet nobody lives in a utopia at this point right so um anyway so logan uh questions or anything logan you there yep i'm here so i have a question Go ahead. regarding the um hey logan kind of hey what's up guys uh question regarding like the potential throughput of the Terra blockchain when things really start to operate at scale, because when we look at Solana, you look at Ethereum, you look at a lot of these blockchains out there, you know, we're at what, like 10% adoption of crypto in totality. 
So like what happens to Terra as it goes from a $10 billion market cap to a $100 billion market cap um, when it comes to all these transactions that are going on and whatnot? Like obviously Cadena is boasting like, oh, we, we solved the trilemma. Does the Terra, can the Terra blockchain handle true scale? Um, yeah, when it comes to proof of stake networks, um, there it really depends on a mixture of things. But uh, yeah, these are problems that can very much be solved, just like they can be solved in traditional networks. Um, it's a matter of you know sizing the uh, node power uh, bandwidth. Uh, it's a matter of uh, investment by validators in uh, more infrastructure. It's also uh, protocols themselves, if they start getting really busy, uh, they'll have to invest themselves into sort of like nodal architecture and stuff. So yeah, there, it's all, it's got to scale over time. Um, and the more profitable various protocols and the busier they get, the more they're going to have to spend on infrastructure and such. So yeah, you're going to have slowdowns over time in various sec sectors of the blockchain. Uh, not necessarily the entire thing, but different sections like, let's say, Anchor, for example. Um, you, you've all noticed that like in times of like when it's really busy, Anchor can slow down a bit, right? Because it's a heavily used um, uh, section of the of the system. Um, so that's something that you have to, if you're finding that you're, especially with certain protocols and such, you're finding that it's running too slow. Um, they tend to monitor these things, but... It's certainly something to message them about if you're finding slow uh, reaction times. Um, TFL in general, um, that was the kind of that Project Dawn initiative to um, help uh, increase the, um, you know, the background infrastructure and bandwidth to handle this. So, yeah, all of it's scalable, but it costs money, essentially. And that's the simple way to look at it, Logan. Um, now, whereas in a, proof of, in a proof of work network, the the the. Um, it has a lot to do with like increasing the number of um, uh, proof of work miners and, you know, scalability has uh, different, uh, uh, there was a lot of different ways to solve the so-called scalability problem. And in proof of stake, it's very much solvable. It's basically endlessly scalable. You just have to spend a lot of money. Got it. So is there ever, let's say, a, a scenario that takes place to where the Terra blockchain is just like getting overwhelmed. It's congested. It's like Ethereum gas fees are high. Uh, do you ever see a, a situation like that take place? Um, like theoretically, well, do you ever think it gets as bad as Ethereum is with like gas fees and whatnot? I doubt it uh, because basically proof of stake is just much cheaper than proof of work long run. And uh, because we have our gas fees in UST and such, it is very possible to... Um, uh, like they'll they'll eventually get to a point where let's say via inflation for example the dollar is not worth as much and maybe uh, the gas fees will be increased per regular inflation uh, as long if the validators aren't profitable and such so those will be votes that come up and then the gas fees and such will be raised so uh, yeah it won't be fixed gas fees where they are forever because obviously there's inflation that has to be taken into account um, but uh, that'll that'll that's all scale the fees are very much scalable and they're uniquely better scalable on Terra than they are on um, other chains where you have to use the core asset of that chain. Like, for example, Avalanche yeah. or Solana, you have to spend your actual uh, like value accrual token as your actual gas fee, which sort of is 
Um, the yeah, the whole ridiculous. point, like, why would you well, want to spend an asset that's going to increase by five to ten x? Like that all adds up. Yeah, it's it's not so much that it's ridiculous. It it what it is is that they many chains, unlike Terra, they use their primary token. Their primary token utility is either right now to stake it and get rewards, or their primary token utility is to use it for gas fees. So therefore, like that's part of why those tokens have value is because you have to hold them to spend them, right? At some point. Whereas, you know, the Luna UST ecosystem is very, very different. And um, it's just unique in that respect. Most chains don't have this, uh, this structure essentially. So let me get Bubbles on for a second too. Bubbles, you, you there? Morning. Good day, can you hear me? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so my my Luna just uh, became uh, available, so it's liquid now. I was I planned uh, accordingly for to take advantage of the ARB for the Luna B Luna, but I've been watching over the last seventy two hours, and it doesn't seem to give as much opportunity. So now, uh, in the meantime, while I wait for uh, other opportunities like Prism and whatnot to to come to market, um, I'm just really trying to understand this Luna X a little bit more. So. Um, I know if I join the LP pool on Stater that there is still a 21-day, 24-day uh, unbonding period. But if I just go to TerraSwap and swap my Luna for Luna Luna X, am I understanding correct that it's it's still liquid and I still get airdrops for just so even Luna, if Luna X? Yes, yes. Even if you stake your Luna on Stater. You and uh, Mint Luna X, you are still eligible to receive airdrops as well as the staking rewards. the The difference of the unbonding period only comes when you choose to unstake on Stater rather than swap on TerraSwap. Oh, well, interesting. Why? Why that would be interesting? Okay. Yeah, that's and why is there we were, any? That's why we were. Yeah. That's why bubbles. We're getting into the. That's why we're getting to those like technical details of like how Luna actually Luna X actually works and how they like measure your airdrops and all those nuances, right? Like, so yeah, just TerraSwap, just be careful in the sense that um, you want to make sure that the, the, the price is actually pegged pretty close. Otherwise, you know, you end up like, uh, that's what that conversation earlier is about. Just, just be very yeah. diligent with uh, like, especially if you're buying a lot of it or something, be very yeah. diligent as far as slippage and other, you know, you know sort of some scenarios that can okay. happen okay yeah that was my next question is about the loss aspect so let's just say hypothetically i just use like uh somebody has let's say a thousand uh luna and then they convert them over to luna x so they're probably going to end up with like 90 matter what did i say 998 uh or 997 uh luna x tokens let's say they held those luna x tokens for a period of um six months right uh, when they go to revert back to Luna again, as long as the there there is no spread uh, in different dis, uh, discrepancies, they should arrive back at about a thousand Luna again. Correct? You want to answer that, Amit? Yeah. Can you can you repeat that, uh, uh, please? Okay. I lost your last uh, two sentences. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, if 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 you let's say somebody has like a thousand Luna and they convert it over to Luna X, so they're going to be roughly about nine hundred, let's say nine hundred ninety-eight Luna X. Let's say they held that in their Terra wallet for six months. When they go to convert back to Luna again, 
in the mm -hmm. future, will they arrive? Should they arrive pretty close to that a thousand original Luna again, or is there a loss in regards? That's what I'm I'm, I'm trying to understand now. So, if you're doing that on Stader, there is no loss. So, for example, let's take an example of uh, today, right? Luna to one Luna X is equal to one point zero zero nine Luna. Uh -huh. So, let's say you give you've given uh, one point zero zero nine Luna to take one Luna X. Mm -hmm. Now you take that Luna, keep it in your wallet for for six months. Take that one Luna yeah. X, keep it in your wallet for six months. After six months, ideally the price of Luna X should increase by five percent, assuming staking rewards is ten percent. Okay. Right. So that means yeah. you sh your one Luna X should be uh, equal to one point zero zero nine into one point zero five, which is. 5% increase in the Luna price, Luna X price. Okay, so you still have the exposure um, still there. Okay. Staking rewards, right? Yeah, when you come back this... after six months and unstake okay. on Stata, you will be eligible to get the Luna uh, equivalent of Luna X at that point, at the exchange rate that is prevailing on Stata after six months. And. And then, so if we just hold Luna X in our wallet, we still then will arrive to the Anchor website or wherever there's uh, weekly airdrops, and then we should get an alert that says there's an airdrop available. What happens with like, if you're still, if you're just hold, getting the airdrops by just holding Luna X in the wallet, what happens with like all the other coins like UST and whatnot? Does that does that automatically get pushed into the wallet, or do we not get that aspect of it? There's only just the other airdrops. So all the UST is convert UST and stable coins are converted to Luna and restaked every day. That just by holding Luna X. Yes. Huh. That the DCA into Luna automatically happens. When it comes to wow. airdrops, you can come okay. and you can come to the state of platform and collect those airdrops, all of them in a single click. You don't but have to I go have... to each of the protocols. Okay, so I still have to use this. I'm not trying to, I'm not a, a, like anti-state or anything. I'm just trying to understand. So I still would have to, because because I'm, I'm on the liquid staking, I'm under pools right now, and then I see stake and I can do, you know, a portion. Um, yeah, I can switch over. Unless I enter the pool, the liquidity pool, I'm not tied into a 21-day, correct? Even the liquidity pool, you are not tied into a 21-day. If you're, if you're planning to provide Luna, Luna X, liquidity uh liquidity on TerraSwap. you're not tied into a 21 day you can take that out whenever you want but then when i click on the on stake button on the liquidity stake and it says on staking takes 21 to 24 days to on on unlock luna okay so that's this is for the luna x portion your luna x yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm trying to understand is about the luna x aspect of it yeah, um, to get the perfect value, I, we talk, that's what we were talking about the, the previous hours. The, the, okay. The, 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 to get a perfect extraction of the total value of Uluna X, yes, the ideal way to do it without where, where you're certain there, it's a lossless event is uh -huh. you literally physically unstake it just like you burn B Luna. Okay. If you try to TerraSwap Luna X to Luna, you're at the mercy of whatever valuation uh, that TerraSwap happens to have at that moment. That's the difference. Okay. Okay. Yeah, TerraSwap as an AMM um, is not a particularly efficient system, which is why all of us arb this thing to death. <laughs> but uh, the uh, but yeah, it's going to vary from moment to moment. That's what uh, you okay. have to be aware of. 
So be, oh, yeah, okay. that's all you have to know. But is there's nothing um, like locking you into the LP though. You can exit the LP. Uh, you know, in fact, I did. Like for example, I have to do that. Like I mm-hmm. had a substantial amount of Luna Luna X in my mm-hmm. LP on Stator, and I had to. Um, I needed my the Luna that was in that. Not the Luna X, but I needed the Luna in there suddenly because I wanted to be able to borrow off of it when Luna dropped to 60 bucks or whatever. And um, so I, I, I exited the LP for that reason. I still have like whatever SD token uh, accumulated in that. And I, ju- I didn't mess with my Luna X at the time because I don't want to like inefficiently, um, you know, sell it. Right. So I just basically mm-hmm. left my Luna X alone. And then I... Um, I borrowed off my Luna because that was sort of like efficient for me at that moment. So you can, you can get it in and out of the LP whenever you feel like it. It's just how to exit the Luna X token itself is a very specific strategy. Okay. So, and then you, yeah, go ahead. So, so when you burn it, like it's just like burning bonded Luna in a sense mm-hmm. um, on Stator's site, when you hit on stake, it'll, it'll, there's a page there where it shows you how much Luna X, Luna you're getting and when you're getting it back. Right. And that's how I, if I'm going to exit Luna X, I'm going to do it on Stator's site, not try to do it on a swap mechanism generally. Right, right, right. I guess, I guess going forward as Luna, uh, as the Terra ecosystem grows, we're, we're going to be running into these situations where, you know, you're not even on payroll, Sefi, and you're, you're, you're divulging like, you know, you're almost full time, <laughs> full time on Twitter and just helping <laughs> us out right now. But it becomes to a point where, you know, where there's going to be people, I've been in the Terra ecosystem now for nine months and I follow the posts and I follow the tweets and whatnot. I try to stay up to date, but there, there has to be some sort of, I've gone to the get help section on, on the Stator webpage and that's just not even for Stator, but there's a lot of other protocols that are coming. Um, either, either we have to spend a little bit more time on, on help guides or having video each, each, each uh, like Stator would have to put out a video of each each topic each section on the website so that people like myself or others we don't have to wait for these amas uh to to pop up to get these you know sure. and and weird and questions like Daku's here and so i think uh pantera from uh, like uh, uh terabytes is here you know so some of these folks do produce uh, videos over time oh yeah sometimes they do get as well yeah sometimes they do get lost in the shuffle and it might be they do. good for sometimes it might be good to like have one created um, and then maybe the video like linked Implemented via, it onto the website, onto the like website, but HTML yeah, or something. Yeah. There's kind of a plus or minus to that because technically speaking, some of the YouTube channels are more community channels. They're not directly linked to these various like companies. And um, that I think can work for some sites and it doesn't work for others because the responsibility of what is said on those videos then becomes sort of like indirectly, like tied to the company involved and all that. So I don't know, there's pros and cons to that. And also mm-hmm. there's pros and cons to making the, uh, the websites really, really messy with lots of content. So it, there, yeah. there's always a, yeah, there's always a back and forth when it comes to education. And uh, I mean, and I guess the struggle struggles real, right? I mean, we're, which, which is yeah. why like it helps Amit to hear all these various like concerns that we have. Cause if it's confusing to you and me, then it's confusing to everybody probably. And um, they can use that feedback to then like build on that a little bit. Um, yep, totally. But, uh, feedback totally taken. Yeah, yeah so okay, I'm sure thanks. they're taking notes and hearing all these issues so that they can kind of like make it clear for people in the future. Cool. Um, let me let me get Cloud on maybe for a second because he was waiting. Oh, I meant to jump a point. Sorry. 
No, I think it was Patrick who was trying to talk. Oh, okay. Or Patrick. Yeah, I just had a quick question. Um, like marinade on Solana, which is essentially what Steady is doing, but on Solana, mm-hmm. you know, the yep. price has gone up because of the value accrual in the background that's happening with your stake Solana. Do you think it's possible once like the people and variant pools come live on Astroport that maybe the value accrual to Luna X will make swapping directly from Luna X to Luna more of a straightforward path? Because like on marinade, I can just boom i go right out of insulin soul and my value curls it uh patrick you were cutting out a little bit what i think what he was asking is that the the ability to eventually swap from like say for example luna x back to luna is it going to be like more efficient in the future and maybe with use of astroport and more liquidity i think is what he's getting at you'll get to a point where it, it will actually be uh, easier to swap back and forth from the liquid token i think that's basically true patrick Yep, that's 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 completely uh, right, Patrick. And thanks for answering, Sefi. We've been uh, trying to figure out a way to use stable swap on uh, Astroport. That makes the slippages very very low. I think uh, on on Solana using Saber, which is a stable swap exchange, the MSOL to SOL swaps is swaps are very efficient. So we could definitely move to that model very soon. Yeah, let me get Cloud on next. All right. Hey everybody! I uh, really appreciate you, uh, you know, letting me speak. Uh, I'm actually coming from the uh, like I'm really interested in the Cosmos ecosystem and uh, big on like IBC and seeing how they run in terms of like I know you're you're okay. So I want like the main focus I guess that I'm thinking about in terms of like a to to I guess validator. You you mentioned something about you know, decentralization and talking about validation and you don't, you know, you got to, you're trying to put trust on validators. But I think we kind of need to redirect our focus on something like securing the network and having that like a priority. And so like, you know, if, you know, if we have those city validators, I don't think it really matters because they're not really getting the rewards that really good validators are are getting and um kind of like yeah so so that like that was my first kind of thing with what you were saying about um validation and talking about like there's an issue with having to like decentralization of, of validators and Cosmos is really focused on securing the network they have a lot of validators and i don't i don't you know, but someone said something in their community talking about, you know, it's really important to to secure the network. And it doesn't really matter, like, if there's a validator it's not doing good. I mean, yeah, it does if you have, you know, bad, bad eggs in there. But in reality, those are not going to, those kind of validators aren't really going to get rewarded. And they can, you know, obviously, like, food for, for doing, like, bad behavior. Um yeah, that was kind of like what I. There's more that I want to talk about in terms of like stable coins. Uh, I want to bring up like, I mean, if you take a look at, uh, so Ion in the osmosis pools. Oh, let's, for let's try to stick to uh like the discussion that we're having here, which is really very specific to staking um 
like the Terrible. yeah the validator concerns yeah. and decentralization um these aren't necessarily problems we're going to solve on this call today it's sort of like like what i said yeah. before it's like a perpetual problem forever so there will always be uh some community initiatives that will be needed to promote either decentralization or like the either punishment or uh or building up of validators who are doing a good job all of that is sort of part of the incentives within the network and um anytime we stake we're basically helping uh uh like we're basically essentially casting a vote for a validator who's doing a good job in theory um and that's really the only thing that you and me can really do besides going to the forums and providing community feedback um, and then maybe, you know, creating community proposals to make changes if we think something has to be done differently. So that's really the forum to really do that in, I think. Um, we're we're probably not going to solve uh, all of those problems yeah. in this forum. So let yeah. me get some more um, specific questions related to Stater from folks. Um, but yeah, uh, okay. Brolin, you there? Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Uh, Brolin, you there? I am. Good morning. Can you guys hear me? Good morning. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so my question is regarding voting when staking on Stater. Uh, are any uh, uh, anybody who's currently staking on Stater, are there any plans to have um, uh, the ability to, to, to vote on Terra governance uh, or at least show a, um, uh, I guess, a voting record of the, 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 the pools or the validators um, that were that, that we're in? Yeah. Uh Sir, if I uh, just trying to rephrase your question, what you're trying to ask is, is there a way for us to capture the voting uh, history of the validators and show it on the app? Is that what you're asking for? So, yes, uh, but ideally, um, I, I would still want the ability to vote on uh, oh. Terra governance. While staking uh, with so that is that what you point. mean? Correct. Okay, got you. Uh, we are definitely working on that. In fact, uh, in one of the proposals where which we have submitted on the Mirror forums, detailing the integration of Mirror and Stater, sorry, Anchor and Stater, uh, we have uh, shared a link to a doc which clearly specifies our plans around how can we enable voting for uh, stakers who are staking with Stater validator pools. So that that is one of that, that is definitely one of the top priorities. Uh, However, it's a bit technically complex, so we might take a take a little bit of time to enable that, but it is in the roadmap. Awesome, good to know. Um, actually, Amit, uh, I just realized the time. Um, I'm gonna have to drop off uh, if you go. You want to take over and see if any further questions are around. Yeah, I I can take the last three questions, uh, uh, Sefi. You can you can drop off. Thanks a lot. That's good. Well, yeah, been, good having you. Been good awesome. Having you guys around. Yeah, catch up with everyone later. All right, bye. Uh, guys, I can take I can take a few questions for a, for another ten minutes. Uh, please go on. Crypto, crypto money life. Yeah. Hey. Um. With the with the redelegation feature at the base layer, will we ever be able to move from a staking pool directly into Luna X? Uh, that's. Uh, I mean, trust me. We were, we were, we were, we we would love to actually have that feature. Uh, unfortunately, since both of them are two separate contracts, it will be really difficult. I mean, it's it's technically at this stage uh, infeasible to uh, support redelegation across stake pools and liquid staking, even across stake pools. 
let me also give you the background for why that is the way we designed it. Uh, essentially, stake pools is a is 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 a smart contract that enables delegators to choose a set of validators. Like for example, today we have three validators who are giving airdrops. Tomorrow there can be a set of ten validators that are giving airdrops. That could be that could be forming fifty percent or maybe sixty percent of the staking rewards. So that's kind of a flexibility we have uh, provided for stake pools. Hence, this is a separate contract that enables it to do a bunch of automations and yield redirection strategies. And while the liquid staking is really meant for a different use case, which is take your LunaX, provide liquidity, and take your LunaX, put it as collateral on Mirror or other protocols like Edge or Mars, etc. So essentially, these are two different smart contracts designed for different purposes. It's technically not feasible at this stage. Okay. Okay, yeah, thanks. That was it. Amitesh, could I ask you a question? Thanks, thanks uh, for asking. Please go ahead. So I'm just starting to get into the staking. So um, I'm wondering, I'm in the U.S., and I'm wondering in terms of the tax reporting uh, aspect, because it's like a lot of transactions that would have tax implications. Is there like an API that would hook up to, let's say, token tax that would just report all the stuff that happened on uh, your platform, SATA platform, so that I wouldn't have to like get into the weeds of, you know, having to collate it all and provide it to a tax preparer? Yes, I think it's a, a great question. We do actually expose our API to two or three of the institutions who are staking with us. Uh, maybe you could DM me after this call and I can mm -hmm. uh, connect you with our tech team where you can uh, uh, draw data from that API. Hey, Amitai, can I ask also? Please go ahead. Uh, do you plan to integrate the airdrops across the wider ecosystems of the Cosmos? For example, there was some Comdex airdrop right now and the Shade uh, also make airdrops. So I just want to ask you if you plan something different than just the Luna, sorry, than the Terra. Yes, we, we, we are actually working on all the IBC airdrops that are coming in as well. Uh, you should be able to see those uh, very quickly. However, I have to tell you that uh, the airdrops for which snapshots were taken earlier than Stata's launch, we would obviously not be eligible to claim those airdrops. You will have to individually claim those airdrops using your wallets. But anything that was taken, any airdrops that were as a result of the snapshots taken after Stata's launch, you will be eligible for claiming those. Uh, however, at this stage, the cross-chain airdrops that are accruing to stakers on Terra are really minuscule. Uh, I'm, we are also hoping that there'll be significant portion in the future, hence working towards uh, having that feature available on Stata. Thank you very much. And you also save like, a lot of headache with all the different wallets and stuff. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Anybody else in DGEN? Yeah, I mean, thanks for hosting this. So I have a really quick question. Um, could you talk about the math between uh, unstaking for the 21 days on Luna X versus uh, swapping Luna X for Luna on TerraSwap just to make sure we're not losing out on any kind of arbitrage? Sure. So essentially, uh, uh, are you familiar with how Luna X works? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, since you already know that Luna X is 
uh, AUST type of a token that increases in value with respect to Luna. So on Stator DApp, uh, every day Luna X price compared to Luna increases. So essentially at any point of time, you can come to Stator DApp and get the same exchange that is mentioned on Stator DApp on that particular day and get an equivalent amount of Luna. This process takes 21 to 24 days to, uh, uh, to, to be eligible to claim Luna. While at the same time, you have the flexibility to swap out your Luna X to Luna on a DEX. Here, because TerraSwap is a XYK DEX, which is basically it always makes sure that the, quant the X, which is the asset Luna, and Y, which is the asset Luna X, the product of that is always constant. It's the same Uniswap uh, V1 concept that exists on TerraSwap. So because the DEX has to always maintain these assets uh, in this particular proportion, there is a potential slippage that uh, users can incur when they try to swap one token versus the other. Especially if the trades are in large quantities, the slippages can be higher. Uh, but if the trades are in smaller quantities, the slippages are obviously lower because XYK balances very uh, with minute differences at lower quantities. Uh, now, uh, the actual loss you might incur in case of a swap depends on the quantity that you're planning to swap. Uh, the specific use case where people try to swap Luna X to Luna is when they are trying to protect or exit themselves from the Luna position uh, as their expectations are that there could be large drawdowns in Luna uh, price, right? So it's for those swing traders and uh, high frequency traders who uh, who want to exit Luna position quickly. So for them, these small slippages, even at slightly larger quantities, do not matter. For uh, for really large trades, uh, for example, 10% of the pool size trades, the slippages will be significant because X, Y, uh, K should be maintained in proportion. Uh, I hope that answers your question. I tried to make it simple. Sim uh, I tried to make it simple without going into the math. Dijen, uh, can can you make Dijen uh, one of the speakers? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So uh, one way to sort of ex one way to sort of avoid this high slippages is to move to a stable swap pool. Uh, thankfully, Astroport has such stable swap pool. We're working with them to migrate uh, Luna Luna X pool to stable swap pool. Gotcha. That makes sense. Thanks, Dijen. I can take uh, two more last questions. Marty? Thank you. Um, so I think like many people here, um, I don't like to keep a whole lot of Luna, like normal Luna in my wallet. I like it to be mm. Luna X or be Luna Luna or staked or pick, pick your poison. But <clears throat> I do like Luna off chain and it would seem increasingly so. And specifically for me in osmosis, not that I don't have it in other places as well. So I'm back to my lobbying of basically Luna X showing up inside of osmosis and, you know, all the, the Luna X pseudo magic uh, kind of happening there. Um, but now you have places like on the Sol space, Orca interested in Luna X now that they've moved to Luna and UST, you know, now interested in AUST, um, you know, the 
bridges like ABR, who's I can't even pronounce their uh, their bridge name. But could you comment on that a little bit? Thank you. Yeah, we are we are actively working on taking Lunax to cross chain, especially while we wait some of the lend while we wait the launch of some lending protocols on Terra. We're actively working with the likes of Solend, Apricot, uh, to take LunaX cross-chain. Uh, that might be a reality very soon. Does that answer your question, Mark? Absolutely. Thank you very much. One last question, please. Uh, yeah, can I ask a question, please? Please go ahead. Um, well, apologies to everyone. I came a bit late to this space, so if this has already been covered. But when everything launched, I wasn't really sure what to where to put what pool to go into. So I took a bunch of Luna and I split it up evenly between the blue chip, the community validators and the uh, airdrops in the plane staking. And then I took uh, another third, third of my Luna and I put it into the liquidity pool. And then I had to add, well, sorry, into Lunar X. And then I had to add liquidity and I took another third and did <laughs> added liquidity onto uh, that so i've got it i've got all of my lunar or the portion that i have for stator i've got it in in the in thirds and gotcha. does that yeah and so all really my aim is just to acquire more lunar that's all i want to do so even we're quite a long way into this stator thing but i'm still confused as to where i should have really which one i should have focused on if all i'm trying to do is acquire more lunar so out of say for example with the plane staking out of those three options, which which should I have chosen? I, I still don't really know that. Gotcha. So uh, thanks for asking this question. A lot of people do ask this question. Essentially, plane staking, the reason why we have three different pools is, for, is to give some of the users who prefer different pools, uh, to give them some choice in terms of selecting the validators. If your objective is to just maximize Luna, I think uh, the APY on Luna staking rewards is almost equivalent across the three pools. So you're just you find just as is. Oh, so cool. no, nothing significantly is going to be different for you. On the liquid staking, uh, so if you want to just maximize your Luna and don't want to worry about stater SD rewards, you should you should take out the LP and completely stake. Luna to Luna X. Oh, okay. And will I keep? So I'll I'll keep the the SD tokens I've accrued though. No, if you do it before February 9th, you will lose all of them. If you do it after February 9th, you'll you will continue to waste fifty percent of them. Uh, okay, because I think Cfi said I thought Cfi said he removed his liquidity pool part of it and he retained his SD tokens. I thought that's what I heard him say. Gotcha. No, so these were the vesting terms just for us to prevent, uh, incentivize people who, who have a long time horizon uh, to come and stake with us. However, if you want to, obviously, if you want to get hold of some of the SD tokens, you should be able to, uh, you should retain your uh, uh, Luna X, Luna LP. Yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued to find out how much they're worth. I did ask in Twitter, you know, what what date will we find out how much an SD token is worth? But and no one responded. So I, I mean, uh, it's okay. it's a valid question. Where you know, one is intrigued how much uh, an SD token will be worth. Do you do you have uh, any idea? 
<laughs> I think you just hold on for a day or two. There is a big announcement that is coming in. Mm. Uh, so I unfortunately I cannot reveal more details than that at this stage. Uh, I can only tell you that you are farming SD tokens close to our close to the price of our seed round. Okay. Um, the other thing was once um, the the thing to keep people in it. Uh, one of the incentives was because people are gradually start pulling out from a certain date. Um, and I thought the the understanding was they lose uh, some of their SD tokens for pulling out after a certain date, and then it gets spread around to everyone who stays in. Is that is that true? Got it. That's so there. So therefore, the the fixed amount I've got in the standard stoke uh, standard staking portion of Stata that should start increasing from a certain point. Yep, absolutely. All right, and the other thing was, I I swear I thought it had increased because I went in and uh, my figure had increased, but then it went back to where to a fixed amount. Did I imagine it, or was there some sort of just some sort of error that happened? Or is it? Uh, is this uh, is this plain staking pools? Plain staking, yeah. I commented. Gotcha. I, I I sent a message through DMs and Twitter, and someone gotcha. from Stata got back and they said, "Well, tell us your terror." address and i i okay. sort of i provided that and then they got back to us said sorry we can't help you just go to our telegraph and we'll sort what you with screenshots of, of proof that this happened i was like i i wasn't gonna i don't, I don't know gotcha. if i could be you know I'm, I'm so sorry you had to go through this let me explain the mechanism by which you had farmed the staking rewards uh so essentially we were trying we were showing the sd tokens farm at every six hour intervals based on the prevailing Luna price in the market. What happened just a few weeks ago was Luna price suddenly shot up by almost, uh, almost 40%. So uh, the, data that, the data in terms of the SG tokens that were farmed, that you were seeing on the DAP were at anchored to a real, the actual prevailing price of Luna at that point of time. That's why you were seeing a slightly higher amount of SD tokens that were farmed. But when we actually did the swap, we do the swap based on the average lunar price uh, since the last swap. So hence the actual SD tokens farmed by you would have been slightly lower. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they could, whoever was manning the Twitter, the Stata could have probably just said that in the, in the DMs. Yep. But um. Yeah, is it safe me providing someone with my terror address? Because I've done that now through the DMs on Twitter, and I'm just a bit, I was just a bit spooked as, by it. As long as you are doing it on official channels, there's nothing to worry about. Yeah. Either our Twitter DM or Telegram support or Telegram DMs to admins, okay. you're fine. Uh, yeah. But I would advise not to provide your. Uh, Terra wallet address to anybody who is directly messaging you for it or anyone who is not officially uh, verified on the Telegram channel or Twitter channel. Okay. Well, yeah. I just was uh, confused why they asked for it. And then when I provided it, they just said, well, we can't help you go to our Telegraph. Um, yeah. So that was a bit. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, Sorry about that. I hope I don't get robbed. Okay, but apologies to everyone else who had to listen to my questions. Thanks very much. Thank you. No problem. Thanks right. a lot, guys. Uh, unfortunately, I have to step out. This was a great AMA. Uh, and thanks for patiently listening to us and also ask, asking a lot of questions that you might have. 
we've what what I have realized and my key takeaway from this AMA is we have to do a lot more AMAs, at least one AMA a week to answer some of the questions that you might have. And we'll put that process in place uh, starting next week. Uh, thanks a lot. Thanks, everybody, uh, for attending this and making this a great success. All right. Uh, Abraham, can you take over, just conclude, yes. and uh, I'll drop off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we'll catch up again next Thursday with Sefi. And uh, hopefully that will, we can deep dive on like a single topic and that will be, that we can take it in a different direction. And hopefully it's uh, another interesting conversation like this. So yeah, see you guys. We'll update you on the schedule and the timings. So catch you all next Saturday. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Stater Staking Weekly Chat with CFI, recorded on Thursday, January 13th, 2022. This episode of The Ether was brought to you by Orbital Command, a community validator on Terra dedicated to educating, expanding, and promoting the lunatic community. Find out more at orbitalcommand.io. TerraSpaces appreciates their support. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. When I'm cruising, I'm rushing, no booze on my tongue When I'm losing my cool like a bruiser in London The rules are confusing, so let loose the juices And try not to act like they tightened up the noose These fools are abused like a problem stepchild Ruling the coop with some modest exile I'm lost in the cube with the softest textiles A comfy padded room where I'm walking my best miles So wipe the smirk off your face when you're serving I'm up with a platter of bait behind the curtain Up with the curse, it's absurd to swerve it Letting these nerds know the weight was worth it. I'll perk it up while I serve with some bullshit. This ain't my first rodeo surrounded by humans. Opinionated merchants trying to steal your worth. It's getting on my nerves, so let's make them feel nervous. Tit for tat when I'm spitting this rap shit Getting sick with it like I'm kissing bats It's spreading sickness like a fucking pandemic Gun to my head like write the damn epic My mood is exhumed from the darkest mistakes Sitting down in hell cooking up these mixtapes Living through nightmares and dreamscapes It takes more patience than a hospital police state So lock it down locked and loaded like they come for your guns Fuck no we won't be getting onto that bus Quietly sit back and watch the riot beat While the cops get filmed pirating all your privacy Sign on the dotted line and wave your rights and wave goodbye and pay no mind. You gotta wash the brain and erase the time. Now shut the fuck up while we wait in line. Spaces.